She was the media's go-to cool girl, a celebrity adored for her wit and sharp tongue. Only Chrissy Teigen would soon learn that when it comes to the internet, there are receipts, and those receipts will come back to haunt you. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello. Hello. We are back in a big way because we have a huge two-part series coming up on Chrissy Teigen and boy, has this one fascinated us for a long time. Yeah, this has been such a ride because as much as we felt like we were kind of across the latest developments in Chrissy Teigen's life, we have learned so much still by going back and doing a deep dive. Well, I thought I knew quite a bit, but truly there were so many gaps in my Chrissy Teigen knowledge. I mean, I think when we started this show, and I, when I mean this show, I mean Shameless some, mm. what, nearly five years ago now. Oh my God, don't say that. I know. <laughs> Chrissy Teigen was one of my favourite celebrities, right? I loved her sharp tongue. I loved her wit. I loved her sort of no bullshit attitude. Her Twitter presence was just unlike any other celebrity in the space. Yeah, exactly. And I think what we've seen in the last couple of years is her reputation take a greater tumble than almost anyone I can remember. I agree with you. I don't think there is another celebrity over the time that we've been doing Shameless who has taken such a fall. Like this was someone going from being the cool girl, the it girl, the celebrity that everyone loved to being the celebrity that now if you say, oh, I'm a Chrissy Teigen fan – That's controversial. Oh, hugely so. Now, we know, of course, that Chrissy Teigen is married still to John Legend. And in July last year, they announced that they were pregnant with their fourth child. And I think for me, it was kind of the first time when they announced this pregnancy that she made headlines again after a long time. And I started to really think about her again. So it's why we wanted to make this series. So shall we just go all the way back? Let's go all the way back. Guys, before we rewind, we do want to give you a heads up. We briefly mention the theme of suicidal ideation. So discretion is advised. We are rewinding all the way back to 1985. Alrighty, Mish. Christine Diane Teigen was born on November 30, 1985 in Utah. Utah. Her dad, Ron Teigen, was an American electrician of Norwegian descent. Her mum, who is known by her nickname Peppa Teigen, grew up in a small town in Thailand. Yeah, Peppa was a single mother to a two-year-old daughter named Tina when she met Chrissy's father, Ron Teigen, in 1982. Now, Ron's company had an office in Thailand and that's how they came to meet in the country. Yeah, the couple got married and moved to Washington, which was Ron's hometown, where they lived in a trailer. And Chrissy was actually born three years later. Now, Chrissy said that she was extremely close with her mother growing up. So life got pretty difficult for her when she was about 15 and Pepper started to become less and less of a presence in her life. Between 1999 and 2000, Pepper was actually regularly travelling back to Thailand to care for her dad or Chrissy's grandfather, who was actually tragically dying of lung cancer. And then to make the story even sadder, 
three months after Pepper's dad died, her mother, so Chrissy's grandmother, fell off a train in a freak accident. Yeah, so Pepper stayed after that in Thailand for quite some time and fell into what she now describes as a deep, dark depression. In an interview with Vanity Fair years later, she said that she tried calling her daughters back in America to try and patch things up with them, but remembers them not wanting to talk to her even on the phone. Pepper says that she would send them noodles in the mail as a way to remind them that she still loved them, she was still their mum, she was still thinking of them. Yeah, but she also told Vanity Fair years later, I never knew what depression is. Sometimes I thought about killing myself because I knew the girls were mad at me. Mm. It's like a really sad way, you know, for them all to grow up, a really tough scenario for all of them. I mean, quick spoiler alert. Pepper and Chrissy now are as close as anything. So they ended up patching up their relationship beyond anything we could imagine. But it was a really rough start. Yeah, an awful time for everyone involved. In light of her mum moving back to Thailand and slipping into that depression, Chrissy's dad, Ron, decided to move with his daughter to Huntington Beach in California for a fresh start. Now, this was just before Chrissy was due to begin her junior year in high school, which is the equivalent of year 11 for us. So like a pretty precarious time. Oh, absolutely. Year 10, year 11, There's a lot of shit going on. So much going on. For everyone. While in Huntington Beach, Chrissy got a retail job in a surf shop and it was while working there that she got her foot in the door of the modelling industry. Yeah, now according to Vanity Fair, one day when Chrissy was working, a cameraman wandered into the store and asked to shoot some bikini photos of her. Now, given she was only 15 turning 16, her dad insisted on accompanying her to the beach where he pitched in by holding the light reflectors. Yeah, it was actually an Aussie brand that gave Chrissy one of her big breaks too. Her first big gig was actually shooting a campaign for Billabong. Yeah, now it wasn't really as if her rise to modelling stardom, Mish, was like meteoric. While kind of dates and timelines are a bit hazy when we went back and sort of dug through this period, Mm. it did seem like she had some odd modelling jobs in the early noughties and did tend to spend half of every year working in Miami. Yeah, Chrissy's modelling career sounds like when we look back that it was pretty unglamorous. Like in a recent Instagram post, Chrissy was reminiscing on this time in her life and she wrote, I was paid 200 bucks a show minus agency fees and I'd wait five to six hours sitting on the floor to be seen. She also had some modelling experiences that were just downright awful. Years after the fact, she actually revealed that around this time in her life, Forever 21 fired her because she was, and I quote, too fat. Yeah, she told the publication du jour, I showed up on set and they asked me if they could take a photo and they shoot that photo off to my agency who then calls me as I'm sitting in the makeup chair and they say, you need to leave right now. They just said that you are fat and you need to get your measurements taken. Just awful. Now, weirdly enough, one of the odd jobs that Chrissy worked over this time was actually being one of the briefcase girls (laughs) on the first and second seasons of Deal or No Deal in the US. So that was between 2005 and 2006. Who was her fellow briefcase girl at this time? Why, none other than Meghan Markle. So they were like briefcase girl pals. Yeah, well, I don't know if pals at all, (laughs) but I think they certainly had the same job for a time. And it was a year later in 2007 that Chrissy crossed paths with John Legend. Yeah, our other protagonist in this story. According to Vanity Fair, a cameraman who had worked with Chrissy Teigen on modelling shoots and happened to be also directing a music video for John Legend's new single, Stereo, 
thought they would kind of be the perfect fit to work together. He showed a photo of Chrissy Teigen to John Legend and said, hey, you should cast her in this upcoming music video. Yeah, and he did. Now, before we talk more about their meeting and falling in love, let's pause for a moment and introduce John Legend properly and talk about where he was in his career when these two crossed paths because John Legend was no small deal when he met Chrissy Teigen. In fact, he'd already won three Grammys. Yeah, so back to his childhood, John Legend was actually born John Stevens and is seven years older than Chrissy. He grew up in an extremely religious household. His mother, Phyllis, was the choir director in their local Pentecostal church in Ohio. On top of that, his grandfather was the pastor and his grandmother was the organist. His family claimed that John Legend's first word was hallelujah. Yeah, which is probably not surprising when you actually listen to how religious their upbringing was. A difficult word to have as your first word. Not mum, not dad. (laughs) But also John Legend seemed to be a bit of a certified genius as well as he grew up. But we'll get to that in a second. In an interview on WTF with Mark Maron, John actually said his siblings didn't listen to secular music at home because they weren't allowed to. According to Vanity Fair, his parents actually decided to homeschool him and his three siblings when prayer was pulled out of the curriculum of their local school. Yeah, regardless, music was a massive part of John Legend's life from a really young age. In fact, he began to play the piano at age four and he was just generally a really smart kid. He skipped two grades at school around this time. However, John's childhood fundamentally changed when his maternal grandmother died suddenly at the age of 58. Yeah, so he spoke to Vanity Fair about this and he said, I was so traumatised by it because we were so close. She was my music guru. John took it hard, but his mum took it harder. His mother fell into a really deep, deep depression that eventually led to his parents' marriage falling apart. After a little while, she actually turned to drugs and spent the next decade on the streets and in and out of jail. Yeah, John has spoken a lot about his mum's battle with addiction. In an essay for Time magazine, he reflected on what that was like for him growing up. He wrote, My mother's addiction didn't just tear her life apart, it tore me and the rest of our family apart too. Yeah, he also told Vanity Fair, She was a legitimate drug addict. We went years where we barely saw her because we felt a sense of shame. So there was John's dad finding himself a single parent to four kids and John said that he and his siblings all found a way to kind of fill in for their mum. He, for example, did the cooking. Now, despite the hardship going on in his personal life, John was a pretty big gun at everything. At 12 years old, he stopped being homeschooled and attended Springfield North High School. Now, the typical age of entrance was 14. So that's how he, you know, skipped those grades. Got ahead, yeah. Four years later, he was offered places at Harvard and Georgetown, but ultimately decided to attend college in Pennsylvania. Yeah, he majored in English, but his love for music was constantly gnawing away at him while he was at college. He decided to become a music director at a church on the side. He also started doing open mics on campus where he would sing soul music. He created a band and recorded demos here and there. But after years of trying and failing to get signed to a music record label, he actually decided to follow a really traditional career path. John Legend finished college and landed a job at a top-tier management consulting firm, Boston Consulting Group. Yeah, now, although in a roundabout way, attending college might have been the perfect thing for John Legend's music career because it was at college that John just so happened 
happened to be roommates with the cousin of a then little known rapper <laughs> by the name of Kanye West. Now the year was 2001 and years later, John actually shared the story at the Tribeca Film Festival. He said, my friend Devin had this cousin that moved to New York from Chicago. He wasn't famous. He was just some cousin that made beats <laughs> as far as I knew. But he was Kanye West before everyone knew who Kanye West was. My roommate was like, you got to meet my cousin Kanye. He's working on Jay-Z's album. Yeah, John went on and said, we were up and coming artists. People didn't even know Kanye could really rap yet. He had to convince people he could rap. Kanye was working on his demo. He was living in an apartment in Newark. I would go to his place and we would work on songs. He would give me beats for my demo and I would write to them and then I would sing hooks on his. Now, Kanye really backed John Legend and encouraged him to pick the stage name John Legend. He then also signed on to produce John's work. Yeah, so John quit his job in 2002 when he was 23 years old. It was Kanye who signed John to his label Good Music when it launched in 2004. John instantly proved his worth as well. Before the year's end, he released his official debut album, Get Lifted, which went on to sell more than a million copies. By this point in his career, he was just 26 years old. Yeah, looking back, John Legend really does credit Kanye West with helping him break into what is an almost impossible industry like the music industry. Years later, he said to Vanity Fair, Kanye, if he's for you, he's a very ardent marketer and cheerleader. By 2006, John had won three Grammys for that album under good music and brought 20 of his family members to the ceremony to accept those awards. In a really lovely turn of events, one of those 20 family members was John Legend's mum, who by this stage of her life wasn't using drugs anymore and had reacquainted with her family. I love that part of the story. I love that part of the story as well. And by 2007, he had collaborated with the likes of Jay-Z, Mary J. Blige and the Black Eyed Peas and had released his second album once again to commercial acclaim. So now we're back up to speed and I think what our listeners will realise as we finish sort of telling the story of John Legend's childhood is that there are huge parallels between Chrissy Teigen's upbringing and John Legend's, namely the relationship that they had with both of their mothers. Yeah, and how those mothers slipped into a depression, but then things really did come good, which is so like life-affirming to hear. Hugely so. Now, this is the part in the story where John Legend and Chrissy Teigen crossed paths on the set of the stereo music video, Mish. Yeah, they actually were filming for 12 hours together on set. John was mostly wearing suits while Chrissy was in lingerie, which just feels so mid-noughties. Doesn't it ever. So incredibly mid-noughties. They, after shooting together, went back to John's hotel room, ate in and out burgers together and got acquainted. Bonded. Bonded. Speaking to LUK years later, Chrissy recalled, we just clicked. It wasn't like, he's so sexy, but he did make the first move for sure. We'd spent 12 hours together, so that's like 12 dates, right? (laughs) Never forget as well, Chrissy's viral tweet about their first meeting as well. She once wrote, every time someone asks John for a selfie and he says, I never do this, I think back to the night we met when I said it, but not about selfies. (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't like, Mish, that they were kind of in instantly together. For starters, 
John was actually heading out on tour the very next day, so things were a relatively slow burn. Chrissy told Cosmo in 2014, I let him be himself for a while. The worst thing you can try to do is lock someone like that down early on, then have them think there is so much more out there. I played it cool for a long time. Never once did I ask, what are we? Marriage was never my goal because I've never been very traditional. I was just happy to be with him. I mean, I appreciate this line of thought. I just don't really have it in me to, oh, to be cool and let someone go sort of explore themselves. It's very cool, girl. And it's yeah. very of the time. 2014. Think, 2014 when this quote was given to be like, you need to be the relaxed girlfriend or the relaxed love interest and let him find himself and he'll come back to you. Yeah. Like, come Don't on. lock him down yeah. as if you're trapping them. You're going to make him feel squashed. He's yes. going to get claustrophobic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Speaking to Vanity Fair about the early stages of their relationship, John said, she just entertained the hell out of me, texting me. What people respond to in her tweets today was the same energy in those texts. I didn't know that I wanted someone funny until I was actually with someone funny. Yeah, at this stage in their careers, though, the public only really knew about John Legend. To the world, Chrissy was just his girlfriend. Take this passage, for instance, from the New York Times, who wrote, whether it's because he's been a media darling or because his words are not scripted by publicists, Mr. Legend has developed a habit of bluntness. At one radio station, he spoke about his girlfriend while sitting next to the winner of the biggest John Legend fan contest, a pretty young woman who stared at him with wide eyes. When one caller said he'd written a song for him, Mr. Legend responded by noting that he writes his own. Thanks, but no thanks. After meeting later with some fans, he said some had treated him like a commodity and acted as if he owed them something. What he owed them, he said, was great music, pure and simple. A little bit to unpack there. Mm. First and foremost, as you say, Chrissy Teigen was not well known at this point because when the New York Times are writing about John Legend's relationship, they are simply referring to her as his girlfriend. Not even naming her. Not even naming yeah. her. Secondly, I mean, this is a tangent, but I'm interested in your perspective on that sort of line of thought. John Legend saying that his fans treat him like a commodity and what he owes them is not to be very present all the time and to sort of give them everything they want, but just good music. I wonder how many massive celebrities feel exactly the same, but feel like they can't vocalise that because I feel like celebrities spend so much time saying... Thank you, guys. I love my fans. You gave me my career. You're my family. Yeah. You're my friends. You get me. Like, we have some secret bond no one could possibly get. When he's like, nah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I have some thoughts. If it's a paid meet and greet where people are, like, buying tickets to meet John Legend, say it's like a VIP ticket at his concert, I think the onus is on John to give them something. Because he's commodifying himself. Exactly. he's making money off it. If he's just meeting fans in the street or if they happen to be there, say, after this radio interview that he did and it's not an exchange, it's just him being a person living his life, he does owe them nothing. I completely agree with him. I love his bluntness because I find it really refreshing. Well, I I totally agree with you in the sense that if he is commodifying himself and selling tickets and there is like a value exchange there, he does owe people something. But he didn't quite sound like the kind of guy that would be for that anyway. He kind of sounds like the guy that just wants to release his music and fuck off. Yeah, listen to my albums. I'm glad you want to come to the concert and enjoy it, but I don't owe you anything beyond that. That's where the value exchange is. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the refreshing nature of it all anyway. Now, Mish, we're going to talk way more about Chrissy and John and how their relationship got more and more serious after the break.
All right, Zara. It was on a trip to Lake Como in Italy that Chrissy actually realized she was really serious about John. She wrote in an Instagram caption years later, a boat tour guide took us to a little spot on the lake and told us to make a wish. I asked for this to be the man I marry and have children with. I think John asked for the most perfect bite of cacio e pepe. Both came true and here we are. The couple got engaged on a trip to the Maldives in December 2011. She said she was genuinely surprised about the proposal, telling Elle magazine she wasn't really sold on the entire theatre of proposals. She said, The speech and everything that goes into it, it's absurd. And I was very happy the way we were. The annoying part was everybody else was saying, has he proposed yet? They never believe that you don't care or that a woman might be thinking about a career path. So when he asked, I had no idea. Yeah, she also went on, I had the worst cramps too. He has videos of me complaining so hard. But then the waiter came with this silver dome and all of this rocket falls out and there's a ring box. There's no grand speech, but yeah, I cried. Yeah, fast forward to June 2013 and Chrissy and John actually sat down with Oprah Winfrey for an interview about their relationship and life together. So that gives you some sort of insight into how well known they both were as a couple by this time. Now, as part of that conversation, John performed a worldwide exclusive of a new song he'd written called All of Me, which he had written about Chrissy. Yeah, this is the really interesting part in the story because in June 2013, they were becoming well known, but it was the publicity tour for All of Me. Yes. Which John definitely roped Chrissy into every step of the way that made her a bigger name. We're sure everyone listening to this has heard the song All of Me. It's now widely renowned as like one of the best love ballads of all time. It has been listened to on Spotify 1.8 billion times and importantly when you consider that 1.8 billion streams remember Spotify was not the main place we listened to music on in 2013 this is mostly downloads and streams that have come years after the song's release yeah the lyrics really seem to fit what we know of the couple too I mean he wrote in the song what would I do without your smart mouth drawing me in and kicking me out you've got my head spinning no kidding I can't pin you down it feels so ridiculous to read words of the day that you know <laughs> they should be sung to. On September 14, 2013, Chrissy and John got married in Lake Como. But in order for everything to be legit, Chrissy and John legally had to tie the knot at a New York City courthouse just the day earlier. Yeah, speaking to E! News, Chrissy said, We actually got married after going to a couple fashion week shows at Vera Wang. Ironically, who actually did my dress, but we got married at the courthouse right after. We are dumb and didn't realise that our Italian wedding would not be recognised unless we had a real ceremony in New York City. So Arena Shake was our witness, the most beautiful woman on <laughs> earth. They, what, they like pulled her off the runway and were like, quick, you need to come to the court. <laughs> I didn't realise they were so close. On October 3, just two weeks after the wedding, John's music video for All of Me dropped. In it, Chrissy and John are living in a house in Lake Como where they're filmed at the piano, in bed and in the shower together. Now, at the very end of the video, they actually released some home video shots from their actual wedding, which showed them kissing at the altar. Now, at the time of recording, 2.1 billion people had watched that video on YouTube. Billion with a B. It's one of the most watched music videos of all time. It's insane to me. I mean, it's incredibly savvy PR and personal branding, right? Oh, so clever. It's almost definite that they timed the wedding and the release of this love song all around each other. And I think it was huge for Chrissy's career too because it put her right in the spotlight. A far bigger spotlight than she'd had access to. Yeah, truly brand Chrissy 
began with the All of Me music video and publicity tour. It's a lot though. When I was watching the video, like props to them, this is what they wanted to do, but it's a lot to put that much. Of a spotlight. Yeah, that many eyeballs, I think, on your relationship. And for a guy like John Legend, who's complained about fans commodifying him, he's really doing the ultimate thing of commodifying his romantic relationship. And as I said, absolutely their decision, and he has every right to do that. It's just my nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not the only celebrity couple to do it, but it is a choice. There are celebrity couples out there who choose to keep their relationship something private. They don't really talk about it unless they maybe go on a TV interview show or something. But Chrissy and John really embedded their love story into John's career and his work. Maybe they didn't know that All of Me would become so huge, but... Are you joking? They knew. Well, this huge, like... Maybe not this big, but this is what they were angling for. Oh, for sure. And it's just a curious decision because it makes their love story the centre of everything, which, as we know, with other couples can be a risk. Absolutely. Now, using their love story for publicity absolutely worked. Following the wedding, the media took a hugely keen interest in Chrissy Teigen. Take this headline from Glamour in 2013, for instance... Hilarious model Chrissy Teigen is just like you, except for that marrying John Legend thing. Yeah, in 2014, Chrissy Teigen also got the Esquire nod of approval. After profiling Chrissy over lunch, the journalist AJ Jacobs wrote, Supermodel Chrissy Teigen is funny. Not funny for Twitter funny, like straight up funny. The piece read, I know it's cliche when models say they love food and eat whatever they want and mysteriously never gain weight, but Chrissy actually adores food. Chrissy opens a carafe of white wine for the two of us. It's 11am. She explains that she's a day drinker. She usually stops when it gets dark to avoid hangovers. Now, I think perhaps that interview provides some good foreshadowing for what was to come years later. In the piece, the journalist noted that Chrissy can have a bit of a sharp tongue on Twitter, adding... Frankly, it's a bit intimidating. Will Esquire end up on her suck list? Will she tell me to settle down like she does to her Twitter trolls? I mean, later in that piece, Chrissy assured him, I'm much nicer in person than on Twitter. I think what's really fascinating about reading all these profiles from this time is A, how sycophantic they were. Oh, yeah. B, how much of a focus alcohol was in every single lunch date that she did with journalists and thirdly for me how much she deliberately spoke about food which I think was incredibly clever because I think the seeds of the next phase of her career were being planted in all of these profiles very very early. I agree with you completely. Elle magazine joined in on that kind of sycophantic fanfare as well. In 2014 they crowned Chrissy and I quote the Jennifer Lawrence of the modeling world writing no she doesn't trip a lot to my knowledge but she does toe the line between self-deprecating charm and foot in mouth chaos in that J-Law patent way. Cosmo magazine also put Chrissy on their cover in June, replete with an interview where she told the story of how she and John had joined the Mile High Club. She said, we were on our way to Thailand to see my parents flying commercial first class. We were under a blanket. We weren't even in one of those pod things. I feel like we should get a trophy for that. Mm, This was very different for a high profile celebrity model to be speaking this way. It was a complete deviation away from what we were seeing from Chrissy's peers at the time. We need to keep in mind, 
This is 2014 when she's talking about the Mile High Club and drinking at 11am and how much she loves food. And this was an era where the Victoria's Secret Angels really reigned supreme. The standard in 2014 was not day drinking and public sex. It was like Miranda Kerr talking about chia seeds and goji berries and like the superfood, super healthy kind of stick from models. Yeah, exactly. And Chrissy's point of difference proved to be incredibly popular. And she was savvy when it came to this. An interview with GQ at the time noted, Tegan's assault of awesomeness, I mean, if we're talking about (laughs) being sycophantic, starts in person with her ceaseless foodie chatter. A 2014 piece in Bon Appetit was titled, Model Chrissy Tegan is Seriously Obsessed with Food. That same year, she walked Refinery29 through her favourite restaurants. Now, there's a few things to be noted here. Firstly, as I mentioned before, definitely her planting the seeds for the next phase of her career if the food industry was one she wanted to crack. Secondly, as you say, there was a huge cool girl energy about this to be like, I'm hot, I'm skinny, I'm beautiful, and I eat. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And it was like this very sort of, I mean, we were all there through that time. We remember what that kind of conversation was like. Yeah, and I feel like Gone Girl, the book, also came out around this time. And I wonder if Chrissy was kind of maybe inspiration for that cool girl character of like, I can have it all. I can appeal to the men and sit around and eat pizza and talk about football whilst also looking like a bikini model and being this like feminine ideal. Yeah, exactly. Now, she also seemed more, I guess, noticeably self-aware than the average celebrity. In that cover piece for Cosmo that we mentioned, for instance, She was more than willing to talk about how marrying John Legend did help her career. She said, I got so lucky that I met John who propelled my career. I am not delusional. That definitely helped. But I don't want to be thought of as just John's wife. So I'm trying to make a name without it, which is hard in its own way. Mm, I do like that quote a lot. It's been reported that John was the one as well to introduce Chrissy to like the big wigs at Sports Illustrated, which really helped put her on the map in a modelling sense as well. So like for her to be self aware that's all we've wanted from Brooklyn Beckham over the last 12 months truly it's like that's so fine you take those opportunities but it's really refreshing when someone is happy to say yeah of course I'm not delusional like I know how I got here I'll just work really hard to make sure that I I, deserve it yeah and I make it I make it my own thing instead of living in his shadow yeah by February 2015 Chrissy had 651,000 followers on Twitter and another 1.9 million on Instagram. And basically nothing was off limits on those channels. Like there she very freely discussed her political beliefs, like her now infamous tweet at Donald Trump, I literally pose half naked for a living and you are still the biggest attention whore I know. (laughs) Photos of her stretch marks and her wardrobe malfunctions, including that time she posted a video of having like a nip slip at a footy game and she captioned the footage, Boom goes the dynamite. Like for her to share that footage with that caption is refreshing again. All of this made Chrissy seem endearing and likable and trustworthy and super marketable, to be honest. By this point in her career, she had scored the 50th anniversary cover of Sports Illustrated. She was announced as the co-host of the TV show Lip Sync Battle. She co-hosted the Billboard Music Awards alongside Ludacris, had become a panellist on Tyra Banks' talk show and had published a New York Times best-selling cookbook, Cravings, which went on to become the second best-selling cookbook around the world in 2016. She was making waves. Now, this isn't to say that social media fame was without its downsides, though, for Chrissy Teigen and that she didn't find herself embroiled in controversies early. In fact, it was actually Chrissy and John's pregnancy with their first child, Luna, that caused 
plenty of controversy with their fans. This was a really interesting one to go back and research because the way I first felt about it is very different to how I now feel about it now that I've read a lot. Chrissy, for context, had already been very public about her infertility struggles and had referenced those struggles in her pregnancy announcement post in 2015. There she wrote, as many of you know, we've been trying to have a baby for a while now. It hasn't been easy, but we kept trying because we can't wait to bring our first child into the world and grow our family. We're so excited that it's finally happening. Thank you for all your love and well wishes. I look forward to all the belly touching. Now, it was when Chrissy actually did an interview with People Magazine to promote her cookbook, Cravings, that we just mentioned, that things took a turn for the worse. Yes. She told People, I've made this decision. Not only am I having a girl, but I picked the girl from her little embryo. I picked her and was like, let's put in the girl. She went on and said, I think I was most excited and allured by the fact that John would be the best father to a little girl. That excited me. Just the thought of seeing him with a little girl. I think he deserves a little girl. I think he deserves that bond. A boy will come along. We'll get there too. So it's not like we really have to pick. But he definitely is very lucky to have a little girl. And this girl is going to be so completely lucky to have John as her papa. It's crazy. Now, to be clear on why this is contentious, I'm going to get a little bit academic with you, if you'll allow me. So non-medical gender selection, that means when you select a gender purely because you have a preference for that gender, not because there's like a genetic need to do so. There are some genetic conditions that are tied to the gender of a baby. So if that genetic condition runs in your family, say on a boy's chromosome, you might then change the gender to avoid the risk of that child having that genetic abnormality. Now, this is contentious. When you don't really have a reason to do it, It's been a point of massive debate. There's a 2002 article in the Journal of Medical Ethics that laid out heaps of concerns that come along with non-medical gender selection. Professor B.M. Dickens wrote at the time, growth of biomedical means to select the sex of future children has been accompanied by fear that such means will be employed to favour the birth of sons and so perpetuate the devaluation of girl children and women's inferior family and social status. Now, Chrissy made it clear she wasn't picking a boy, she was picking a girl. But the reality remains the same. Should parents have the ability to pick gender or make gender even such a prominent preference or something that even matters? Like, should it matter? This is something that's illegal in Australia. You cannot do non-medical gender selection. So there's just a huge debate to be had there about Chrissy and John deciding to have a girl and then maybe not being so self-aware or not doing the research as to why that's really controversial. Well, to not perhaps have the forethought to realise that, as you say, in Australia, it's illegal. In the UK, it's only allowed for medical reasons. And given those rules are so stringent in other countries, people are going to have thoughts about that because if you're deciding to do something that is illegal elsewhere, like that's going to be naturally controversial. And even in the US... It's less than half of fertility clinics that even offer this. So it's still controversial in the US. Like the majority don't offer it because they don't believe in it on an ethical footing. So I'm curious as to how maybe they just walked into one fertility clinic that happened to offer it and they didn't know this was like a massive thing. Yeah, and thought that like it was the same everywhere. So perhaps not realising the ethical debate at play Chrissy Teigen walked head first into a a bit of a mess. She addressed it publicly on Twitter after Twitter went wild. She said, 
I also picked the embryo with a taste for bacon, a knack for magic, and size seven feet so that she can always find shoes. What year is this? For the record, I am always happy and open to speak on infertility. The more casual, the better. I don't mind. What is the difference though? I've already created embryos with a doctor. Only after it must be random. Stop looking here for shit to be mad at. There are so many other things that deserve your outrage. She went on, from reading everything tonight, I think I made a mistake in thinking people understood the process better than they do, which is my fault. We didn't create a little girl. We had multiple embryos, girls and boys. We simply chose to put in a female. We didn't throw away anything and still would love to have more of both in the future. Hard to explain such a complicated process here. You'd be surprised at how many people you know go through this. Also, every doctor knows the sex of the embryos. It isn't some grand secret. I think Chrissy's being really funny with that first thing about like a knack for magic and size oh, seven feet. Like, so. I, I do funny. love that. I think she could have pulled back on the sass. Like if she was really reading what people were saying, she could have just said, look, it's really complicated. I'm not going to get into it. We're happy with the decision that we made. Not say, I think you guys are uneducated because I actually kind of think the opposite's true. I think Chrissy might've been uneducated about the ethical arguments against this and she's flipping it around to go, you guys simply couldn't process what I know and I'm not going to bother to explain it here. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like she was accusing everybody else of being reductive, but also she was kind of being reductive too. Yes, so it's yeah. quite meta in that sense. Now, that was one big controversy for Chrissy Taken before Luna was even here. But for the most part, Chrissy was seriously adored still. The following year in 2017, she actually wrote an essay for Glamour magazine about her battle with postnatal depression. Here is a snippet from that piece. I couldn't figure out why I was so unhappy. When I wasn't in the studio filming Lip Sync Battle, I never left the house. I mean, never. Not even a tiptoe outside. I'd ask people who came inside why they were wet. Was it raining? How would I know I had every shade closed? Most days were spent in the exact same spot on the couch and rarely would I muster up the energy to make it upstairs for bed. John would sleep on the couch with me sometimes four nights in a row. Yeah, it was around this time, 2017, that Chrissy also made a really formal enemy out of Donald Trump. Like we referenced before some viral tweets that she had been making years prior to 2017. But by this point, Donald Trump was the president and Chrissy was hellbent on bringing him down, at least in like a social media sense. Yeah, well, she wasn't actually kicking him out of the White House, but yeah. In February, the then president tweeted, we must keep evil out of our country, to which Chrissy responded, what time should we call your Uber? <laughs> now, it was this dynamic of her going toe-to-toe with Donald Trump that really did cement her as like this treasure in the hearts and minds of Democratic voting progressives. Time magazine announced Chrissy Teigen's latest tweet to President Trump is epic. Yeah, that July, Trump tweeted, it's very sad that Republicans even some that were carried over the line on my back do very little to protect their president. To which Chrissy responded, lol, no one likes you. It was that exchange that actually finally got Chrissy Teigen blocked. When she shared a screenshot of Trump blocking her, she wrote the caption, after nine years of hating Donald J. Trump, telling him, lol, no one likes you was the last straw. That tweet got 690,000 likes. As a quick aside, to quickly part from the chronology and the timeline for a second, this feud would continue for years on, right? In 2019, Trump went on a rampage after John Legend mentioned his latest criminal justice reform bill on a late night TV show, but didn't give Donald Trump as much credit as Donald Trump thought he deserved. <laughs> he tweeted, 
Guys like boring musician John Legend and his filthy mouthed wife are talking now about how great the bill is, but I didn't see them around when we needed help getting it passed. <laughs> to that, Chrissy replied, lol, what a pussy-ass bitch. Tagged everyone but me and honour Mr. President. <laughs> Back to 2017, though, because I do love that tangent that she took with Donald Trump, but we need to stick to the timeline. In 2017... We saw an interesting thread emerge about Chrissy Teigen's relationship with alcohol. That year, she spoke to Cosmopolitan about struggling with alcohol, which worried her because she said that she had a family history of alcoholism. She revealed that she had recently made the decision to abstain from alcohol on a wellness retreat in Bali. The quote read, I was, point blank, just drinking too much. I got used to being in hair and makeup and having a glass of wine. Then that glass of wine would carry over into me having one before the awards show and then a bunch at the awards show. And then I felt bad for making kind of an ass of myself to people that I really respected. And that feeling, there's just nothing like that. You feel horrible. It's not a good look for me, for John, for anybody. The piece also included the detail that Chrissy once announced publicly that she would be giving up alcohol in 2013, only for her to resume drinking soon after. She told the journalist, I used to think it was kind of nutty to have to go totally sober, but now I get it. I don't want to be that person. I have to fix myself. Now, the final paragraph in this piece is quite bizarre. Really bizarre. Now, immediately after that quote from Chrissy Teigen, the journalist wrote this. Released from her press commitments, it was time for Tegan to give her public what they came for. She walked through a mass of attendees towards a succulent wall and answered questions about her travel and cooking. A woman with pink hair and a pink vest held a glass of rosé in her hand, captivated. Somewhere in the back, a man shouted, I love you, Chrissy." Tegan held a glass of something indeterminate and made a toast. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful, she said, and went around clinking. The inference from the journalist there, surely, is that Chrissy has given this quote to her saying, I'm giving up alcohol, I'm going sober, and then immediately walked away into a group of people and grabbed a glass of alcohol. She hasn't said that, but that's reading between the lines. I think that's a fair assumption. Also, I think this is why celebrity profiles need to be dissected, truly, because Mm. there's a lot of meaning behind the words. I think also the journalist including a line about Chrissy having said publicly in 2013 that she was quitting alcohol and not doing it has some sort of meaning in the thread of this story, right? I think it's not necessarily a story about how hard it is to give up alcohol, which I think is an incredibly worthy conversation by itself. I don't think this story is about that. I think this journal is trying to hint to like a a disingenuous nature to Chrissy Dagan. Yeah. And I wonder- Is that fair? Yeah. It is fair for you to say that because I agree with you. I wonder if it's fair- for the journalist to hint at that yeah. or if that's an unfair vibe to give the reader when we know that alcohol and substances can be like a really messy thing to be entangled with and then try to get free yes, from. that's true too. It's interesting. If you have thoughts, we'll leave the link to that piece in the show notes. Please come talk to us about it. Zara, it was around this time, though, that Chrissy and John found themselves in yet another sticky internet situation. After live tweeting her bad experience on a flight to Tokyo over New Year's in 2018, Chrissy found herself attracting the alt-right conspiracy theorist crowd onto her social platforms. Yeah, it's like an incredibly confusing, to be honest, and convoluted story, but we'll do our best to explain this as concisely as we can, right? Essentially, alt-right trolls started looking into the flight path of that Tokyo flight and deduced that Chrissy and John 
were actually on some sort of secret flight that the world's elites take to enact various forms of evil upon the world. Yes, because if that's the truth, that you're on a secret flight, you are going to be live tweeting about it being such an inconvenience to you. Yes. Now, soon after, photos of Chrissy's one-year-old daughter were actually being shared with alt-right trolls highlighting Tegan's use of the pizza emoji as some sort of proof that she was involved with what they believe is a child abuse ring that supposedly includes all members of Hollywood and the Democratic political party. Yeah. The issue here is Chrissy, because as was her way, decided to respond to the commentary. While many celebrities' names were pulled into this bizarre conspiracy theory about Pizzagate, all of them basically decided to ignore it. Chrissy was really the only celebrity that did the opposite. She took a screenshot of some of these conspiracy tweets and shared it on her page, writing, all right, I debated saying something about this, but I'm pretty disturbed over here. The fact that there are people with these thoughts is really scary. Now, of course, she's allowed to respond to this, but She's giving these people such a platform and such a like magnifying glass at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Now, what that meant is the drama went into overdrive with essentially all QAnon believers flocking to her profile, given it was now perhaps the biggest platform they'd ever been given to spread their beliefs far and wide. As the New York Magazine's intelligencer put it, in the minds of believers, all of Hollywood and the so-called political elite are corrupted beyond return. They often speak of a true evil that's been let loose in the world and insist it's up to them and them alone to stop it. Moments like these with Tegan bring the full brunt of their insanity to the surface for a brief moment. Yeah, unfortunately for Tegan, this didn't end up being a brief moment at all. In fact, Rolling Stone described it as a coordinated and incessant attack that eventually drove her off Twitter. But more on that in a little bit. 2018 wasn't all bad, Zara. They had this to kick off the year, but 2018 was kind of when Chrissy became everyone's favourite celebrity. She was scoring huge career opportunities, particularly in the food space. Her second book, which was a follow-up to her first one, Cravings, was released that year and she simultaneously released a Chrissy Teigen cookware line into Target. Yeah, Forbes magazine predicted that thanks to her many, many revenue streams in modelling, TV presenting, food and endorsement deals, Chrissy Teigen was making about $13.5 million US a year and the media coverage was getting more and more sycophantic with every year. How about this from Time magazine in 2018? Thanks to their abundant talents, hilarious online personas and adorable kids, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend have risen to the top of the Hollywood power couple ranks over the past few years. In fact, it's hard to imagine a world in which these two aren't a main fixture on the celebrity scene. Yeah, on top of that, the Vanity Fair profile that we've referenced many times in this episode carried the stand first at home with the first family we deserve. The opening line to the profile piece was, is it because they're in love that Trump can't stand them? Yeah, in that piece, the journalist wrote about John Legend and Barack Obama seeing each other at a charity ball where John Legend said, we joked about how much our wives are loved more than we are now. Now, don't forget at this point in time, John Legend had also changed his Twitter bio to Chrissy's husband. John Legend definitely jumped on this train of, oh, Chrissy's the number one star now. She's the moment. She is the moment and I am going to be the moment as well by being that supportive husband that pretends to stand in the background when in reality neither of them are in the background. A thousand percent. What really stands out about this piece though is how accurately it also foreshadowed what was about to come for the world's favourite golden couple. Here's what the journalist Karen Velby wrote. 
In the past year, Tegan was asked to host a high-profile nighttime talk show at a time when the terrain could badly use a female voice, but she turned it down. It was just too much attention and focus on me, she says. It's almost like the more things you do, the closer you are to getting cancelled. It's so scary to me to have the world turn on you and hate you. You honestly have nothing to worry about, bottom line. And who's really gotten cancelled, Legend asks. Yeah. For me, I think it's one of many quotes that do foreshadow what was to come, that Christy Tegan really did have a fear about this. Either she knew what was in her backyard, if that makes any sense at all. or what was No, it makes sense. I'm with you. She knew the skeletons in her closet. Or she just had a real incessant need for people to love her and the idea of people not loving her was terrifying. But soon enough, she would get to know the experience of being quote-unquote cancelled firsthand because it turns out that everyone's favourite sharp-tongued celebrity had a history of being a little more than sharp-tongued, Mish. Yeah, the receipts of Chrissy's indiscretions were so intense that she would soon have to pen an apology to the world, saying that there was, and I quote, not a day, not a single moment has passed where I haven't felt the crushing weight of regret. So what exactly did Chrissy Teigen do and who did she hurt? All of that on next week's episode of Scandal. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, if you want to support the show, click follow on Spotify and follow on Apple. That helps other people stumble on our show and find us. Yeah, exactly right. We'll be back in your ears on Thursday with a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to... To our show, please do head to your favorite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.